0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, we have to start today with uh, the news, the big breaking news. Jair Alexander got his extension. It's going to be four years. I should probably stop and make sure there were no updates because it's been a while. I've been sleeping. I don't see anything different. Four years, $84 million, $31 million um, in 2021, $30 million signing bonus. says Adams will receive $42.5 million by March. So really makes it quite easy to figure this out, right? Four-year extension is five total years. That means Justin's signing bonus, he's getting $6 million because you divide 30 by five is $6 million. said he's getting 31 in year one, so there's an additional million on top of um, his signing bonus this year, so we call it seven, right? So the assumption is he's getting seven-some-odd million dollars, and as a result, we end up saving about $6 million. You know, I, I said it on Twitter. I've said it on this show before. Um, Obviously, I'm very excited about it. You know, when you hear highest-paid corner, you kind of go, oh, geez, how are we going to pay for it? What are we going to do? But at the same time, twenty. I still, and I, I don't want to go down this again because I've already done this, how in the world is the number one cornerback? And I'm, I'm not even talking about talent. I'm not even trying to get into an argument about, is he really the best? What about this? Who cares? He got paid as the number one corner. How is the market for number one corner $21 million? I, I just, I don't understand how you're telling me wide receivers are worth 30, but corners are worth 20. At least between edge and tackle, the gap is like 28 and 23. You know, it's a little bit closer. Should be about the same. But I will I will take it because corner is unbelievably valuable. You got Deshaun Watson making $46 million a year. You've got Tyreek Hill making $30 million a year. Um, TJ Watt making 28. Trent Williams, tackle, 23. Uh, Aaron Donald, defensive tackle, 22 and a half. I'll take it. In fact, if you compare um, what Jair's getting paid to wide receivers in that range, DJ Moore is getting twenty point six million dollars. Who the frig is DJ Moore? I mean, I know who DJ Moore is, but you've got to be kidding me. I mean, absolutely have got to be kidding me. So, I mean, th- this is this is as big of a slam dunk as there could ever be. I mean, you're you're talking about paying a guy. Um, to be the number one corner in football. And as we understand, by the way, 25 years old, um, as we completely understand, whatever this highest number is, is going to be a low number soon. But my point is, usually it's a crazy number. Usually it's a number that hurts, and then eventually after year two, year three, it's like, oh, that's pretty cheap. I can't believe we got him for so cheap. Jair is cheap today. He's cheap today. Because his job is to shut down $30 million guys, right? And granted, not everybody across from him is, but if you're telling me number one wide receivers have that value, paying $20 million to shut down 25, 28, $30 million guys. I mean, if Justin Jefferson got paid today, he'd get $32 million, for crying out loud. Jair's got to try to shut him down twice a year. I don't know if Darnell Mooney was up for getting paid today if he wouldn't get $21 million. I'm on Ross St. Brown. If he if he can I mean, granted, it's only been a year and all that stuff, but let's just say another couple of years of playing exactly like he played last year. He's a thirty million dollar wide receiver. This is who Jair has to play every year. So I mean, th- this is the the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. This is, I mean, again, people are hemming and hawing about oh, we're all the money and you know, we're pushing out money and da da da. It's not a lot of money. It's just not. I, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry, and I will absolutely die on that hill. Twenty million dollars is not a lot these days. Thirty million is the new twenty million, right? I mean, w- when you're talking about, and, and this was a question I had received, who's like the next big guy on the list? And, and obviously, the two people that you're looking at are Rashawn Gary and Elton Jenkins. Um, when you're looking at Rashawn Gary, though, if he continues on the path that he's on, I don't know that he's not a thirty million dollar pass rusher. I mean, when you see all the training and all that stuff um all those training videos one of the most I think it was the most recent one I saw it was his trainer you know saying you know we they they think we're just trying to be cute and we're we're just putting out these nice videos and panned over to Rashawn and he said no we're trying to get paid he knows that he's going to work every second of every day to make himself better so that he can go out and be the number one pass rusher in the entire NFL because if he gets paid he's going to get 30 million dollars per year so while you're hemming and hawing and crying about Jair getting 21, Rashawn is trying to get a $30 million-a-year contract. And again, when you think about that, it's like, oh, man, I can't believe I don't know about 30. That seems like too much. We were going to pay Devontae 30. And I'm sorry, I know everybody loved Devontae and all that, but it's just weird to me that we're so willing to give a wide receiver, a guy that, I mean, when he went out, we never lost a game. Do you know how screwed we are if we don't have Rashawn? We're beyond screwed. I'm sorry, it's more valuable. I don't care what the NFL says. Give me a pass rusher over a wide receiver. We've seen the Packers make it work with decent wide receivers. We cannot, will not make it work with decent pass rushers. The guys that get like five sacks a year, you know, four or five sacks each side, and then, you know, the Kenny gets about five, and, you know, it'll be fine. Nope, not going to work. We lose. No pressure on the quarterback. We're going to get absolutely decimated and picked apart. By the way, Jair's are going to help Rashawn get paid because that dude's going to get 15 sacks this year because the coverage is just going to be locked down. But again, just think about it in that context. We're going to pay, what, a 31, 32-year-old wide receiver who's just about to hit the downswing of his career, $30 million just to stick around? You better believe Rashawn, who's much younger and who is on the upswing of his career, not the downswing of his career, has earned $30 million. Elton Jenkins, if he kicks out to tackle, I mean, I'm not saying 30. In fact, I don't know exactly where he sits because it's a weird situation with an interior guy that kicked out to tackle. And, you know, are we going to just pay you like the top guy? But um, David Bakhtiari is at the top with 23. Is he getting 24 or 25? I don't know. But, again, tackle is one of those things where if we're okay paying 30 for pass rushers, I'm okay paying 24 for a tackle. And, and the reason I keep saying that is because we're, we're, we're saying that something has value, right? Wide receivers were worth 30, so we're saying that has value. So it has the exact inverse value against us, right? If Justin Jefferson today is worth $30 million, then they're saying that because from our perspective, that's $30 million worth of suck when we got to play him. Right, it, it it has the exact negative value for me as it has positive value for them. There, there, there's no loss anywhere. It's one to one, so it should be worth thirty million dollars to not have the thirty million dollars worth of damage. That's just what it's worth to make sure that I don't have any of that. Same with edge rusher and tackle. Edge rusher is worth thirty million dollars worth of value. What's it worth to stop one of those guys? Thirty million bucks in my mind. Because if it's not that important, then what makes edge rusher important? Well, I really love bringing other quarterbacks down because it really, really helps us win football games. However, if they bring my quarterback down, it doesn't really matter that much. I don't really care. That doesn't make sense. It's more important that we get his guy. Not as worried about them getting my guy. No, sorry, that's not how that works. At least not in my mind. In the NFL's mind, I guess it is. I don't know. And everything I've tried to think about, as in this morning, trying to rectify that, number one, well, maybe we feel like Because wide receivers and edge rushers can move around, we need to invest in multiple positions, whereas one wide receiver requires two corners and one pass rusher requires two tackles. We need to, it's more important that we invest in more tackles as opposed to elite tackles. And so over the course of the NFL, you tend to see, you know, more two good tackles as opposed to, you know, one elite pass rusher. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. Especially when you talk about wide receiver, because we are in a league now that is requiring two to three dominant wide receivers and the price doesn't seem to be slowing. I'm blinking one on the other the other thought I had was I don't know, it's gone forever. If I ever have a two point, point I gotta pick the best one first because I'm gonna forget the second one guaranteed. But anyways, um real quickly on that point, who's who's sort of the bigger priority? Um I mean I, I, I think just in a vacuum it's it's gonna be Rashawn Gary. Um, however, he was a first round pick, which means we do have a fifth year option. Elton Jenkins is the more immediate urgent need, um, because he's going to walk in free agency if we don't find a way to, uh, to get him paid. So, although I don't think they're going to want to let Rashawn get to that fifth year anyways, so they're both going to probably end up getting big time paid. I do think Elton is more of the, we got to figure this out. And then you know, Rashawn, we're going to try to figure it out, but it's going to be a really big negotiation. I mean, he's going to want top money. I don't know if Elton's going to be able to squeeze that. You know, I want top tackle money. Like, do you though, Mister Guard? That you know hasn't played all that much because you're injured and you know that stuff. That's what you want, okay? I also tend to think that that you know the coaches don't care. The coaches are going to put together the best possible team, but. Um, if at all possible, if there's anybody else that can play tackle, I think that they would be beneficial to, to do that because paying him top guard money. And I know fans are, that's, that's an inexcusable thing because Packer fans think he's one of the best tackles in football. Maybe he is. I don't know. Again, we haven't seen a ton of him, especially playing tackle. It's been extremely limited. It's not like we've got a three, four, five year sample size of him playing tackle and just dominating like we have with David Bakhtiari. But I Stand by the fact that I'm not opposed to if we if we have a tackle, letting him stay inside and be a Pro Bowl guard. Because if we're paying twenty-four, twenty-three, twenty-two, twenty-one million to him on top of Jair's contract spiking now because we're in year two, plus Rashawn is getting his thirty million dollars a year, plus everybody else is getting massively paid. It's just it kind of sucks a little bit, you know? At some point it really starts to suck. And top guard money is like 17 million dollars. So, I mean, we still keep Elton, and who's to say we can't pay him as a guard and then be like, you know what, you're kind of a better tackle. Let's kick you out to tackle. That's not a nice thing to do. I'm just saying, just just one more year. One more year at guard. We pay him as a guard. I don't know if he's going to go for that. He might be like, uh, BS, I'm calling your bluff. You know this dude can play tackle. Fine, we'll give you 17 and a half, all right? 18, 18 final offer. And then, uh, you know, then we kick him out to tackle. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. But the other thing that I think is um really exciting is that this got done so early. And um if you've been listening for a while, you know I didn't really have any high expectation that this got done um this soon. I thought this would be just like a lot of the other really big contracts. It gets done like at the start of the year. Um I, I think it's it's a good thing for a couple of reasons. Number one, it frees up money now. So if we need to go out and do something, it doesn't have to be wide receiver. It's just, you know, it's fun to say that on social media, but if we if we have something that we want to do, there's someone available today that's going to cost a little bit of money, we have that ability. But the other thing is, I think the Packers need this simply from a standpoint of, there's been a lot of issues with feeling like players don't really want to be here, you know? And so just getting a real easy, fast negotiation where the player's like, yes, I want to be here. Yes, I'm okay with that price. And the Packers are like, yes, we want you to be here. And yes, we're going to pay you top money at the position. There's just, there's no issues, there's no drama, there's no nonsense, there's no entire off-season of, is it going to get done, I don't think they can pay him, maybe Jyer doesn't want to be here, and Gyre puts one thing on social media, doesn't matter what it is, and somehow we read into that, that he's not happy, and he wants out, and we just don't have to deal with that. This is a guy that's, that's happy to be here, he came here, he crushed it, he got paid, and we're moving on. I love that. Um, and in the spirit of that, I want to... Real quick look at a couple things for Jair Alexander, um, because why not? And I really hate to belabor this point, because it sounds like it's a done deal, and I should just get over it, but I don't know that I can. Um, So one of the things PFF can't really do is—or they can do, but they choose not to, I guess— if we go back to 2020 and you look at coverage grades, Jair Alexander was the number one corner in football. Number two is Xavier Howard at 89.6. Jair was a 91.1. SIS backs that up. Um, again, the closest thing that they have to um, PFF grades is what's called WAR, or the one I like to use is PAR. Um, they have Jair Alexander number one, Xavier Howard number two. It's pretty vastly different after that, who's number three, four, five, six, seven, But the point is, you can see that they this is where they kind of line up. In fact, it's it's kind of close because they have uh, Bryce Callahan is number three on PFF. He's number four here. One of the big differences is Marlon Humphrey, or or, excuse me, Marcus Peters is number three um, for SIS, whereas he's like I don't know, he's way down the list here for PFF. But if you use PFF, they have slot coverage in here, but they don't give grades. They have statistics like yards per snap, snaps per target, snaps per reception, which is. Different than grades. I mean, it it might give you an idea of how good of a job somebody did, but um, you know, it's not just a straightforward thing. We're we're comparing apples and oranges if we try to say that this is how PFF ranks them in the slot. We don't have that metric, but SIS does. That is to say, they still have their par metric, regardless of where they lined up. So if we look at Jair Alexander and we just look at him in the slot, he goes from number one overall. To number 18. Now, that's not that drastic of a drop-off, I suppose. But the other annoyance that I have is if you just remove slot and just look at him when he's strictly lined up on the boundary. So we're we're removing slot, safety, linebacker, anywhere else you might line up. Left cornerback and right cornerback. If you look at how dominant he was, I'm talking dominant. Number two is actually Kendall Fuller. His PAR is a 29.1. Jair Alexander, 37.2. So if you look at just like the top 10, uh, starting with Marcus Peters, you've got 22.2, 22.6, 23.2, 23.6, 24.8, 25.7, 26.4, 26.9, 29.1, 37.2. Unfreaking believable, based on their metric, how valuable he was as a boundary corner. So it's not just that he goes from number one to number 14. We're talking about dominant, 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 by far nobody was even close to being as good boundary guy, right? Jalen Ramsey, they have number three at 26.9, Jair 37.2. So it's, it's one thing to say number one, but it's another thing to quantitatively look at the value and how, how much better they said he was than everybody else, and it's drastic. And to take somebody that is that elite, in that role and just be like, meh, throw him in the slot. We got so many guys, we got to put him somewhere, just put him in the slot. It just, it makes me insane. It makes me crazy. And I keep bringing it up because I feel like I'm the only one in the world that gives a crap. Nobody seems to care. Like, oh, it's no big deal. Just put him in the slot. <laughs> and I think it's because we massively overrate Stokes and I think it's because we massively overrate Razul and we seem to just interchange slot with boundary like it's no big deal as though, yeah, just there's just elite number ones just living in the slot all the time. They're not. So instead of having Jair locking down their number one guys, if they put three wide receivers out there, we stuff them in the slot with some scrub, while Stokes has to go one-on-one with one of the premier wide receivers in the NFL. Great. No offense to Stokes, but I, I just, we, we, we're way too, I, the, the, there's just massive gaps here. And I understand this is 2020 Jair, and 2022 Jair might not be 2020 Jair, but I'm still looking at the difference between him in the slot and him in the boundary. By the way, interestingly enough, because, and again, we haven't really looked at um, uh, SIS. Sorry, I'm trying to do too many things at once. We haven't really looked at SIS before, and PFF has kind of just been the Bible in terms of I don't have anything else to tell me what the best or worst is. 2019, uh, they had Jair as the 20th best corner. SIS had him number two, number two in the NFL. Now, that personally gives me a lot of confidence because I, you know, when I look at Jair, my whole issue with my concern with him is that if you look at his grades, it was in 2018, 72, 2019, 71, then 90, then 71, right? Good, good, elite, good. Now, granted, 2021 doesn't really count, but the fact that it's like right on par with what he was in 2018 and 2019 makes me wonder if that's just what he is. He's, he's a 71 overall grade, 72 overall grade guy, which is fine. He's a top 20 corner, but he's not a number one. But again, if you go based on SIS's metric, he was number one in 2020. He was number two in 2019. Here's the caveat, though. There might not be that big of a difference between SIS and PFF if you look at him in the slot as well as in the boundary. Tricked ya. Number two is just when he's playing outside. If you look at him across all different positions, he's twelfth, which again lines up very close to where PFF had him. So, and let's let's go back to 2018 while we're sitting here. They had him 28th, but if you just look at him on the boundary, 19th. So, just looking at him on the boundary, he goes from 19th to second to first. Just looking at him on the boundary. Now, granted, he's still I think number one in this if you include in the slot this past year because he was so good on the boundary, right? Let's not get that twisted. Now, this past year was not good. He ranked 92nd on the boundary in his very limited sample size, but he was 108th in the slot. So it didn't get better. It's not like, well, maybe Joe Barry's system, maybe a little bit in the slot, you know, 51 snaps in the slot, he ranked 108th. There may be a question of, you know, is it cumulative or whatever? Okay, let's just look at Green Bay Packers um, in that time span, 2018 through 2020. 2021. EPA per target. Or how about just point save per play rather than point per target because being targeted is partially a negative in and of itself. Just looking at corners, because there's linebackers and safeties that have uh higher metrics as well. Chandon Sullivan and Kadar Holman were both higher. In fact, twenty nineteen Kevin King had a higher PAR with roughly the same coverage snaps, so it wouldn't make that big of a difference. So again, you know. Maybe everything will work out. I don't know. I just I hate it. I hate it with a passion. If you look at those three years and then look at um, you know, boundary, it's Jair 2020, Jair 2019, Jair 2018. That's that's the order that they're in. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're gonna get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclubcom club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com/ club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase. So, you know, again, I, I hate to keep banging that drum, but it just, it's, it's not a minor thing in my mind. They're two different positions. Right. I mean th- this this is similar to me to take taking an elite tackle and putting him into guard. Just being like, Well, we got two tackles. You know, it, it would really be like if uh you know, we like Elton Jenkins and we like Zach Tom, and so we decide to give the left tackle job to Zach Tom and just kick Bakhtiari into guard. And I, I understand, well, we wouldn't do that. We would just put Elton Jenkins there. Which to be fair, I did say we should do that. <laughs> But I know that that, that's sort of the difference. I know Elton Jenkins is an elite guard, and I'm kind of confident he's an an elite tackle. The difference here, I know he's an elite boundary corner, and I also know he's not proven to be any good in the slot. So if we had proof that the guy was an elite tackle, and that's what he is, and we've seen that he's not a very good guard, what the heck are we doing taking him off a tackle and putting him at guard? If it even forget the forget the fact that he's really good on the bound if I just knew for a fact that this was one of the best slot corners in football, I would be much more fine with it. Still not happy, but at least you'd look at it and go, Well, you're getting an elite slot corner. I guess I'll take it. It's not worth nothing. And granted, if there's only two wide receivers on the field, he's gonna stay out there and he's gonna be a boundary guy and he's gonna be great and all that. And that's wonderful. But taking the number one corner in football and turning him into a mediocre uh, slot guy after we just paid him to be the number one corner in football. I just, I don't for the life of me understand that. Well, what about Razul? What about the freaking guy? Who cares? He got a bunch of picks. whoop de doo I'm sorry. I, I just the, the guy has been a subpar corner his entire life. He comes here, he gets a bunch of picks, and, and you know, great. I'm, gl- I'm glad he was here. I'm glad he did it. But what's he going to be? The best corner in football? Is he going to be top 10? Is he going to be top 20? I mean, he was good last year. I just, I, I don't, I, it makes me nervous. I don't, and then again, Stokes, I don't know. I will say this though, the, the one positive, if you look at 2018 through 2021, the top corners are Jair, Stokes, and Razul Douglas. That at least makes me feel good. 2021 Razul, 2021 Stokes, and then 2018, 19, and 2020 Jair. Those are the top five cornerback performances in the past four years. All right. Followed by 2018 Tremont, um, actually 2018 Tony Brown, which is crazy and makes me think this is not a cumulative metric, but maybe it is. I don't know. It really goes to show you how bad Kevin King was in 2020 because um, he had a negative 23.2, which I guess it's cumulative, but it's also positive and negative. So it can work. It can work against you if you suck more often than you're good. He had a negative 23.2 PAR in 2020, which is the worst by a mile. The the second worst is a negative six by Isaac Yottam in 2021. Whew, Kevin King, man. Kevin King. But uh, anyways, after Tony Brown, you got 2018 Josh Jackson, 2020 Josh Jackson, and then 10th is 2018 Kevin King. So not a ton of really good cornerback play. But still, but still. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to leave that alone. By the way, they put uh, 2021 Razul and 2019 Jair basically exact ties. which depending on what you think of those two guys, just, well, I don't know. Some people are shocked to hear Jair was that good. Some people are shocked to hear that Razul is that good. All right, one final point on Jair here, because I keep remembering different things I wanted to talk about, and I'm really running out of time here. The question of regression. My concern with Razul is he strikes me as a guy that's primed to regress. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Rizul is going to be great and Jair is going to be garbage, which if that happens and he's in the slot, I'm going to blame it on that. But let's just say that's not the case, just in a vacuum. All right? Razul played four years prior to this. So in 2021, he had five interceptions. You know how many interceptions he had prior in his prior four years? Five. Five in four years compared to five this year. Um, and outside of Philly in 2018, where he had a 72 overall grade, He's had 64, 52, and 60. And the thing is, if you take all those picks away, do you think he had a... Was he close to as good as he was in 2018? No. And yes, I can just take the picks away. That's the thing that that you can almost guarantee every single time. Almost nobody does, especially if you're not known to be a pick guy. Like, if you're a guy that's really just good at this, occasionally you might have a slightly higher than average number. But if you've had zero the last two years... I'm comfortable saying you're not just going to be a pick machine. Well, maybe it's the scheme. He played for two other teams. You're telling me he would never sat in zone before? <laughs> Come on. We're being a little silly with some of this stuff. Fact of the matter is, if we're calling uh, 70 overall a good game, the guy had four good games last year. And uh, three of them were just really, really good. So against LA, 91 overall grade. He had a pick and two pass breakups in that game. Uh, Chicago. He had a 90.6 overall game, a pick, and a pass breakup in that game. Against Washington, an 88.3 overall grade. He had a pass breakup in that game. And then uh, Arizona, 72 overall grade. He had a pick and a pass breakup. Otherwise, 69, 68, 61, 55, 54, 54, 51, 47, 43. He had what six games below average compared to four above. And again, if he's not getting all those picks, what's 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 the situation? I'm not. I listen. I don't want to just rag on the guy. I just get annoyed that everybody just assumes he had one good year, largely based on, on his production getting interceptions, which is not sustainable. Makes me think he's going to regress. But here's the thing. Why don't you feel that way with Jair? First of all, I've already stated it's entirely possible. I'm always on the lookout for aggression. I think it's just because it happens all the time to just about everybody. It's success is one thing. Sustained success is another thing. Right, A fraction of the guys that end up getting drafted or end up in the NFL ever have any version of success. A fraction of that fraction has sustained success. And there are so many guys that have one good year, get paid, and just don't do it ever again. Razul might be one of those guys. He had one good year, got paid. Not like top market, but whatever. We've seen that with corners. We've seen it with safeties. We've seen it with every position. You have one good year. I mean, Nick Perry, again, it wasn't top of the market, but he got paid a lot of money on one good year, after being garbage for a long time, had one good year, got a bag, and then just completely fell off the planet. But as I started to think about the different corners, because I'm thinking about Jair, and I'm thinking about the different guys that have that fleeting success, um, there's a couple things that kind of come to mind compared to the guys that have sustained success. If you think about guys like Josh Norman, I remember Josh Norman got mocked after he got paid by by Washington big time money. He was mocked by I don't remember exactly who it was if it was Revis or or Norman or uh, um, the Seattle Seahawk. I, I'm blanking. Richard Sherman, but somebody was mocking him because Josh Norman's going around talking about being the best corner in football, and the point is he's strictly his own guy. He's just purely his own guy, and and all the guys who who are real true lockdown press man corners are looking at him like, dude, you're nothing. You would you would die out here if you had to do what I had to do. And the fact is, again, Josh Norman was was a key example of a guy who had one really good year, he got paid somewhere else, and he just completely fell apart. But if you look at guys with sustained success, guys like Richard Sherman, guys like Darrell Rivas, these are guys that are really, really good corners, period. They're not just good zone guys. They're guys that can hang in zone, but they're also guys that can go one-on-one, Man on man, mano a mano, and shut you down with skill, athleticism, and intelligence. That's Jair. Now, you know, are we talking about number one corner? I don't know, but I just don't see as much reason to believe there's going to be a massive drop off. And even Josh Norman, again, this is a guy who had 58 overall grade, 51 overall grade, 71 overall grade. Uh, he had three interceptions through that point, 2015. 85 overall grade, 4 picks, 14 pass breakups. Fleeting stats, inflated grade. What happened after that? He got paid, goes to Washington, 71, 72, 68, 45. Then he goes to Buffalo, gets a 72 overall grade on very, very limited snaps. Last year he plays for San Francisco, um, plays over 700 snaps, gets a 47 overall grade. He never replicated that success again. He is a zone guy who had a, a massive amount of success with Hand on ball production, and and technically he did it again in 2016 in terms of three picks and 15 pass breakups, but he never did that again. He was able to do it for two years. Maybe my favorite example with this because he's a bear, but what about Eddie Jackson? And, and it was hilarious because guys, it took him two three years to realize that they were wrong about Eddie Jackson. I've been hearing about how elite he was all the way through 2020. What happened to Eddie Jackson as a rookie? 68 overall grade, two picks, four pass breakups. Not the worst thing in the world. In 2018, and again, this is a guy who is on an elite defense. He had Amos next to him, which helps tremendously. He had really good corners, and the pass rush there was insane. Not to mention, you know, solid athletic linebackers that could cover and everything else. His job was very, very limited, but he sat back in zone, and he got six interceptions, eight pass breakups, 93 overall grade. He got massively paid, and then everything got blown up, and what happened? Six interceptions in one year. You know how many interceptions he has in the last three years? Two and they all came the very next year in 2019. He doesn't have a single pick in the last two years. He has six pass breakups the last two years. He had eight that year. He's had as many pass breakups the last two years as he had interceptions that one year. When you find guys that have fleeting stats like interceptions, pass breakups, and one really good anomaly of a year, I'm much more nervous about you than I am a guy like Jair. Granted, there's still the one anomaly year, depending on where you look. I mean, again, SIS seemingly liked him 2019 and 2020. Is that right? And I guess so did PFF. I mean, they had him 14th. He was a top 20 corner on both, 12th and 14th overall. And if you just look at boundary, again, second best corner in football. But this isn't based on picks. Jair doesn't really get him. In fact, that's one of the biggest frustrations that we have with Jair Alexander is that he's not that good of an inter- interception guy, right? It's it's dropped interceptions. It's, it's opportunities that he had in his hand and he didn't bring it in. I mean, he's had seven interceptions over four years. The most he's ever had was three, and that was in his big year in 2020. But it wasn't based on three interceptions. He didn't get a 90.7 overall grade as the number one corner in football because of three picks. He didn't. I mean, he did have 14 pass breakups a lot, but he had that the year prior too when he had a 71 overall grade. But again, if you look at him, he's one of the few corners, and I did this on, on PFF, if you look at it, he's one of the few corners that is Really good in zone and really good in man. There are very few corners that can do that. So the difference between the two for me, I mean, you could just look at it simply as, I mean, come on, duh, you got the, you know, what, undrafted free agent compared to the number one overall pick. It makes sense. One guy falls off, one guy doesn't. But beyond that, just look at the information. One guy is built like a really, really good corner. One guy is built like a guy that had a year of success. And, you know, again, maybe Razul just continues to be awesome forever. He's going to retire a Green Bay Packer. Great. It's not impossible. But if we're playing the odds, Jair is built like a number one corner. And, and the, the bigger point of this isn't to, to even worry about the slot or to dump on Razul or Stokes for that matter. It's really just to highlight that that's the biggest thing that gives me confidence that although there's probably going to be some regression from 2020, because I, you can't ever expect anybody, no matter how good they are, to stay number one, I don't see Jair falling off. I don't see a guy that's just going to be, you know, outside of the top 50. It's possible. Anything's possible. But I don't see it. And I, and I think if you really think back to what he was in 2020, if you really just think back to what he is as a, as a player, as a scrappy player, even in 2019, 2018 even, the, some, of the, some of the stuff we saw from him, and then really understand that the, the big evolution for him, he's always been really athletic. He's always been really scrappy. The big evolution for him was he got it mentally. And I don't think he forgot it. It is a new scheme. Maybe that hurts him a little bit. I don't know. But I, I think this is an incredibly intelligent, athletic guy who has everything you need to be a great corner in the NFL. This isn't based on fleeting stats like he had eight picks in a season. He's just a good corner, period. So high hopes for Jay. Same with Rashawn. You know, when you look at Rashawn and say, you know, he's had success, but who's to say he won't fall off? Who's to say he won't regress? Man, I, I just think it's, it's a guy that has rare athleticism, He is a rare athlete, he's a rare human being, and he puts his mind and his body to the test and grows every second of every day. It's one of those things where he just, he can't not grow. He can't not get better. As long as he's continuing to learn, as long as his mind is getting stronger and and his understanding of things, and, and he's learning new things every single day, and he's expanding his understanding of the playbook and what's expected of him, as well as pass rush techniques and everything else, and as long as his athleticism is one of the rare athletes in the world, I have every reason to believe he's going to continue to get better. There's always that fear in the back of my head of, you don't know, you never know, he might have a bad year. It's true. But if we're just basing it on information, I think Rashan has an improved year. I think Jair has a good year. Razul, I don't know. I think he gets less picks. That's the one thing I feel comfortable in saying. Doesn't mean bad year. We just have to hope that, that it's similar to Devondre where it really was just a specific scheme thing that's that's helping him, and he just gets it, and he better. Because if he's the reason Jair's playing in the slot, he better be freaking elite. In fact, I'm going to demand he gets six picks this year. Um, I do have a little bit of time. I don't have enough time to take a break and come back and do some other stuff, especially since what I wanted to do was queue up some clips for some laughing at the enemy stuff, so I feel like I'm just going to make it. It's not even that short. It's 35 minutes. I think I'm just going to end it here. And then um, I think tomorrow we'll do a little bit of laughing at the enemy. A little bit different because everybody's being optimistic, but it's just kind of laughing at ridiculous optimism. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what news breaks and what's going on. But you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.